Welcome to the Old Chick Snowship Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Arthurton. This podcast is dedicated to helping midlife women step into the inherent power and wisdom of a time of life when they often feel overlooked and underrepresented and even begin to doubt themselves. Each week, we will cover information and inspirational topics along with real stories from real women who are defying cultural stereotypes and perceptions of midlife. Women who are reinventing themselves, starting businesses, chasing their dreams, and tackling challenges they never thought possible. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Old Chicks No Ship podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Arthurton. Today, we are going to be talking about motherhood and legacy. And my guest today is Anna Tider, who is an award-winning journalist and author and host of the multi-award-winning podcast, which I was honored to be a guest on, called Thank You, Mama. And on this podcast, she interviews women from all over the world about the most valuable lessons they have learned from their mothers. And she's done, like, I think you've done over 100 interviews right now from women in over, I think it's 80 countries. 60 countries. 60 countries. Yes, which is a lot. It's <laughs> a lot. So welcome, Anna. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you. Thank you. I am very, very excited to be here. And I loved our conversation for my podcast. And I'm very glad that, I, as we just said, I may sit back and relax and enjoy our interview for your podcast. <laughs> so I wanted to have this conversation with you today as like a special Mother's Day episode. And the reason is, is that so many of us are mothers. And it is, I think almost everyone would agree that it's probably one of the hardest yet most rewarding jobs that we will have over our entire lives. And, you know, our job as mothers never actually really ends. Like, you know, mm-hmm. even long after our kids are grown and left the house, like our relationship, you know, with our kids and them with us continues to evolve. And I would argue that and this has been very true for me, that our relationship with our mothers continues to evolve even after they have passed. Yes, I absolutely agree with you. And by that, I mean, you know, like I think often about things my mother said and did and maybe things mm. that I didn't understand when I was in my teens or in my 20s. And now, you know, that I'm older, I have a much different perspective on some of those things. Mm. And it's been it's been a learning really about where she was coming from, maybe why she did some of the things that she did. Like, do you find that too, like in in some of the interviews that you've done with women that they continue to evolve that relationship with their mothers, even after they've passed? Absolutely. Absolutely. Very often. I had a few women as my guests who mentioned the same thing. And I want to stress again, what you just said, which I learned is extremely important. And I learned this actually through the podcast I just felt the natural structure would be to ask my guests to introduce themselves and then talk about their mother's lives. But as I continued recording these interviews, I've realized how important it is to understand where our mothers come from, Mm. where they come from, how they grew up, what their lives were like, what challenges they faced. And it's interesting that... My interviews very often feel, this is what my guests say, they feel like like therapy sessions because these are things we that are so obvious, but we never think about. Yes. So both are interesting. Like I would call it before us, before our mothers had us, but also after our mothers, how the relationship evolves after we lost them. And as you said, you know, we need, and this is also what I learned from myself, but also from my guests, 
we need to have experienced certain things and we need certain time to be able to go back and things click and we're like, oh my God, now I understand why she behaved this way or what she went through at this stage in her life, you know. I often think about that as well. I was just calculating the other day how old my mom was when I was my son's age. And thinking about that, how much younger she was. I'm 48, now Kai's eight. When I was eight, she was, when she had me at 27, so she was 35. Right. That's a huge difference, you know? And back then, I would maybe have judged her or recently, I would, but now when I'm thinking she was only 35. <laughs> right. Well, you know, there's so many things that, and I've said this, and I'm sure many of my listeners have, where, you know, there were things that your mother did or said that growing up, you swore you would never do or say those things. And then you yeah. find yourself saying yeah. that exact thing. <laughs> oh okay I get it like I know now I understand where she was coming from and why she said those things right because yeah you know like my mother who was very ahead of her time used to you know she was big into health and wellness and she would experiment with things you know what I mean foods and stuff like that and then she would try them out on us and I'd be like I will never force my daughter to try this that and the other and hello Of course, I've done that many times. It's like, here, there's this new thing I created. It's got this and this, and it's really good for you. <laughs> but I would be like, growing up, I, my mother, I, every time she did that, I would die of embarrassment, especially if we had friends over, right? <laughs> and now yeah. that's exactly what I do. So what you <laughs> I want to jump into the story of your mother because you shared some bits of it with me when we were um, talking about on your podcast. But I want to first get to what got you started down this road of wanting to interview women across cultures about their mothers? My mom. <laughs> or better to say, losing her. You know, I, my mom and I were very, very close. I'm an only child. And she grew up without parents. She lost her mom when she was 12 and then her dad when she was 24. And she created this very, very close relationship with me. And... In 2016, she passed away from lung cancer very shockingly quickly. Mm. And what was really shocking was she was so healthy until then. She was in a great shape. She was never happier in her life. But she really, in her 60s, she achieved, we can talk about it later, she achieved some new incredible things in her career. She was happy. She was fulfilled. She loved her grandson. And then this happened. And from her diagnosis till she was she was gone I think that we had six weeks which was incredible but then it was very hard for me to struggle with you know with the loss but I remember a few weeks after she passed away I had this anxiety that I was going to forget everything she told me Because I remember, you know, my mom said, and then I thought, I'm going to forget everything she taught me. And through that, I had these strange feelings. If I forget what she taught me and told me, I'm going to lose her forever. Like then she is definitely gone. So I sat down and started writing everything she told me. And that turned into everything she taught me. And that turned into a biography of hers through her lessons. And I started working on this book and I would tell my friends you know, about what I'm working on. And what was beautiful was this reaction. Women immediately started thinking about what they learned from their mothers. It turned out this is so obvious and so important to us, but something we never think about and never really articulate. 
And this gave me the idea to start a podcast. But from the very beginning on, and this is also maybe thanks to my mom, she always wanted to see a holistic picture. She always wanted a big picture. She always said, you know, you, you can't write about, I'm a writer. She's like, you can't write about black if you don't write about white. You can't write about happy if you don't write about it. So immediately it was clear to me this podcast had to be with women from all over the world, different generations, different backgrounds, different religions, different cultures, for it to really have the universal strength you know that i power that i wanted it to have so this is how it happened wow that's that is so beautiful because you know i don't know like about you people who are listening or about you anna but the older i get the more and more i think about the legacy that my mother left for me and you know being on your podcast really prompted a lot of memories Mm. to come flooding back Mm. so i think about the legacy that my mother left for me and as i evolve as i get older like i start to see more and more of it unfold in front of me But I also think a lot about the legacy of my own life and what that will one day mean to my daughter and to my future granddaughters. And, you know, when I think about my life in those terms, it actually prompts me to be maybe a little bit more bold, right? Maybe a Mm -hmm. little bit more ambitious, maybe Mm -hmm. step out of my comfort zone more because I'm viewing it now in a much bigger context. So it's not just my life, right? Like there's those lessons that taught me that I am taking forward and that those are the lessons that, you know, my daughter will take forward to her daughters and, you know, future. And it's this whole, like, I, you know, you talked about seeing it in the big picture, like, like the legacy of the women in my family. Like I think about that in its biggest context often mm. and that what mm. one woman does and what one woman experiences and that, you know, a child who's watching her sees then carries forward. Right. So it's the same concept of I don't know if you've heard, you know, the the phrase that, you know, when you heal yourself, you heal seven generations forward and yeah. generations backwards. And that's the context in which I think about this, which is why I'm so excited Absolutely. to have this conversation with you on the podcast today. So let's dig into your mother and the legacy that she left for you and how that's impacted you as you go forward in your parenting journey with your son. My mother was an incredible person (laughs) because she, what was fascinating about her was that she had two parallel careers that were equally successful. She was accidentally discovered for a movie when she was 17. Somebody approached her, she was watching, she was in a theater in the audience and somebody approached her and said they're looking for somebody for this new movie if she would come to attest to the casting and she went and so she really accidentally got discovered. Already her second movie won her an award and she was extremely beautiful and from the age of 17 she got used to... being celebrated both for her beauty and her talents. So she won all awards you could have won back then in Yugoslavia, which doesn't exist anymore. She always chose very bold roles because she was always a revolutionary and also very big feminist. Mm -hmm. So these bold roles, she really wanted to portray struggles of women in her society. And that often involved also sexuality and taking her clothes off in front of um, in front of the camera, which was, of course, back then, but also her whole life and my life 
quite controversial and always a big topic of why did she take her clothes off uh, in front of the camera. But then while she was working on this film career and made movies with which she went to International Film Festival in Cannes and in Chicago and New York, she really traveled the world. She was very successful. She decided she also wants to study art, which was her... I can't say which was her first love. She was equally happy on a movie set and, and doing her art. She finished the Academy of Arts as a painter and in the graphics and painting department. And immediately she had her first exhibition, which again became very celebrated. And so she pushed these two careers parallelly. And then she continued reinventing herself. It was incredible. She would do a movie and then she would decide she wants to design books and then she started designing books and she started winning awards with that and then she started making jewelry and then she she did so many things she was endlessly creative and everything she did again she was celebrated and awarded for on top of being so beautiful a really incredibly beautiful woman but all of that crowned with her really being an amazing human being she was really a mensch you know she was she was one of, when she passed away, and here is legacy, you know, here is talking about legacy. When she passed away, it was an event for the whole country. You know, everybody, she was a public person. And I was very surprised. It was, I grew up with her like this, but it was still surprising how all the newspapers, magazines, you know, everybody was, people were writing to me on Facebook and, and what was beautiful when she passed and this is what I think about a lot is nobody said, oh, I'm going to miss her art or her seeing her face in a movie. Everybody said, you know what, I'm going to miss meeting her on the street somewhere and that smile and that feeling she gave me. And it made me learn that it's great to have careers and success and everything, but what we really leave behind is how we touch people. And I know it sounds kitschy, but strangers were sending me emails and contacting me to say, I'll just miss her in my life. You know, I miss her as a human being, not as this beautiful movie star or successful artist. And that, that was incredible. Wow. And now I lost the question. <laughs> what would, what would, what is like some of the big lessons that you're, that you took away from your mother's So. But here you go. So one of the lessons, and I think it's huge, is that, and you know, to spread love and spread joy and touch people's hearts. Mm -hmm. And even if you don't manage to do anything else, don't succeed in anything else in your life, I think if one day you're gone and people are like, you know what, I'll miss her. I'll miss this human being. That's That was worth it. <laughs> Well, I, as you're talking about your mother, I'm sensing the a woman who just followed her own, her own passions, her own she did. guidance. She did. And I think when we see people who follow their passions and follow their inner guidance and kind of live by their own rules, that has a very attractive effect. Like people like love to be in that energy. Yeah. Because most of us yes. want it, but don't actually do it. So when we, yeah. so I can see why people would be so attracted to the woman who was your mm -hmm. mother. Not because of what mm -hmm. she did necessarily, but because of who she was. Mm, she was so true to herself and so true. You know, I think the biggest thing she gave me was this love for life. Mm. She just loved life. And maybe because she lost her parents when she was so young, you know, she knew 
how fragile life is. And she would often tell me, growing old is a luxury because she lost her mom. Her mom was 32 when she died. You know, so my mom would tell me being alive and growing old is a luxury when we were talking about, you know, things. (laughs) And I think the biggest thing that she gave me was this passion for life. She was really, she, she loved it all. And she really knew how to enjoy small things and find enchantment and joy in little things. I would call her and be like, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I'm having such a great time. I'm ironing, watching sex in the city. The birds are singing. You know, she's like, the squirrels are jumping in front of the, my balcony and life is just awesome. She, she would be like that. And that's very important for me not to forget. And this is something I'm trying to teach my son. Yeah that you don't need big things. The magic of life is in these everyday little things that can be full of joy if if you allow it. Yeah, that is so true. I mean, I was 34 when my mother passed. Mm. And interestingly enough, you know, and maybe it's because I was busy raising my my family and, you know, my career and all of that kind of stuff. But I didn't think much about the years that she didn't get to live mm-hmm. when she was mm-hmm. six when she passed. I just turned 57. So at this Mm. point where I'm at like the same age that she was, now I am so hyper aware of the Mm. gift that is these years that she didn't get to have that I do. And that, you know, what do I want to do with them? And I think you hit on something really important. It's about, you know, finding the joy in everything. Right. Like making yeah. every minute matter, whether I'm doing something mm. big, whether I'm doing something small, whether I'm just like, you know, going for a walk. It's just like finding the joy in every single solitary minute, because every minute is truly a gift. It is a gift. Yeah. Every minute is a gift. Yeah. Yeah. So incredible. So you have interviewed so over 100 women across all cultures. First of all, my first question is, Does the archetype of mother change with culture or is that a universal archetype? It's a universal archetype. Yeah. I think our expectations towards a mother change. Mm. What we culturally would expect from a mother. So, you know, in Asian culture, you would have a different expectations of how much and how, what you can expect from your mom. But... In your heart, we all expect same things and see a mother as this one universal figure. Yeah, which is truly beautiful that there's this common thread that runs through all of us in terms of that relationship with our mother that's just foundational. It doesn't matter what part of the country you're in or what experience you're having, that this is Mm -mm. something that Mm -hmm. completely like binds us all as one, mm. right? I mean, I truly think it we're does. all one on this planet. We are. <laughs> different countries with different experiences, but that we're all part of a, a big collective. So, And there's something very profound about the unity being, the, the unity coming from the mother figure. Like something so yes. beautiful and profound about that, yeah. that that is yeah. the same in every single solitary culture, no matter where, where we are. And you know what I'm, what I'm learning through? Now I've had... More than I think I'm already at 130 interviews. I only published 117 out of them. But what's deeply touching for me is that I recognize, because as I mentioned, all these conversations always evolve a lot around life stories. Mm -hmm. And I've really learned, and that made me, that was the biggest gift for me, I think, through this, from this podcast, 
is how lives of women, how women, not only as mothers, but as women's, how connected we are and how there is a certain life narrative and life story that repeats no matter, again, which country we come from, which religion we come from, which generation we come from, and which experiences we had. For some women, the challenge is a war. For some other women, I had guests from Africa where a challenge was witch hunt. For a woman from Switzerland, the challenge was that her husband just left her out of the blue with two kids in a foreign country. You know, there are different challenges, but this big narrative is always the same. And it's beautiful, as you said, how interconnected we are and how we are really all one. Mm-hmm. It's, I started listening. I'm, all, I'm every woman recently. I'm, every day I just blessed I'm every woman from Chaka Khan. <laughs> and I'm like, this is so true. It's all in me. Yeah. And the other thing I want to interject in here is, you know, we're talking about this from the concept of mother, but whether a woman physically births a child or not, right? Like, I think that that threat of mother still runs through all women, because even if you're, mm. you don't have your own biological offspring, maybe you're mm-hmm. raising, you know, somebody through adoption, or maybe you are, you know, involved in the lives of your nieces and nephews, or, you know, you're mentoring somebody. Or you're a professor, or right. you... I have friends who have much younger boyfriends, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, yeah, we being a mother is being a nurturer, I think. And as you say, it doesn't necessarily mean that we gave birth, yes. but it means that we nurture something yeah. in this life and on this planet. Yeah, because the, the concept of, of, like, the archetype of mother as being the nurturer, the provider, the guider, the, you know what I mean? Like yep. that is common to all women, regardless yes. of whether they actually physically. It is. Off. It is. Yeah. I speak to my best friend in Croatia. She's a professor of arts and she often tells me, you know, about things she's telling her students and the topics and what her students are, are, are um, struggling with. And it's shocking and beautiful to hear that she's mothering them, you know. I, when I listen to this, I'm like, Lucia, I want to be your, your student. But even if you teach arts, you know, you can be a mother to these young people. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Which, again, is, and again, that, that, that that's common and universal across all women everywhere in the world. Again, it just like, it almost is like, it's almost moving me to tears. Like I'm getting emotional when I think about it because, you know, you know, historically, culturally, women are often downplayed. Like they're often, you know, like in so many cultures, right? Like from the Western Mm. culture through, you know, women have, you know, any culture, every culture, right? Women have every culture downplayed. And when I think about the impact that women have on the world and maybe it's not because yeah. they're running multi-million dollar companies right like maybe yeah. because they haven't been given the opportunity to do that not that they couldn't right they just haven't been given mm. the opportunity but that every woman is impacting the future by the things that they do you know coming from that mother archetype mm. nurturing, mm. right those are the things that create the that create the future that matter in the future like, yes it's not about yes. Like, necessarily what you did it's who you were Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. 
you know, when I see women not owning their power or diminishing the fact that they were just a stay-at-home mom or things like that, I'm like, wow, like, it's probably the most powerful thing you could do on this planet. (laughs) Here's a story. We just returned from an amazing trip around Greece. My son is now into Greek mythology and we, we all wanted to see Greece and we did this trip around Greece, like a historical visiting different, different sites, archaeological sites and temples. And the important stop was Sparta, partially because accidentally, just a few days before going on this trip, I went back to my DNA, you know, we, we did, my husband and I did the DNA thing. And I realized, and my mom, we, we all did in the family, and I realized I got this new information that my mom has some Spartan DNA. Oh. <laughs> so my eight-year-old son was so excited that he's partially Spartan, you know. And most of things I know from Sparta is from 300. I'm embarrassed to admit it, but that's right. the fact, you know, yeah. these incredible soldiers. Yeah. So... <laughs> So we went to Sparta, which was very touching, but more, and then I started reading. I was so deeply touched being there. Sparta is completely ruined. A French archaeologist in 18th century went there and on purpose just ruined the whole archaeological site. Mm -hmm. So there's just a few stones, but the site, the site is beautiful. The spot is, I was deeply touched by it. And then I started Googling a little bit and researching about Sparta, and I knew they had this different attitude towards women, because in ancient Greece, women didn't have equal rights as men. Women weren't allowed to vote. Women were mostly bound to home. Women weren't allowed to inherit, couldn't own properties. Like women were really, as much as we see these beautiful Greek goddesses, and you know they did. On the outside and through their myths, they did admire women, but in reality, women didn't have rights. But it's also known, I knew that Spartan women were treated differently. So I went and researched and learned that, yes, Spartan women had completely equal rights as Spartan men, almost, what is it, 3,000 years ago, two and a half thousand years ago. And so when King Leonidas wife he would take her with him on his business trips which was also never like nobody else in in Greece would do that so he took her to Athens and some other Greek ladies said to her asked her how come you Spartan women rule your men and she said because we are the only women who give birth to real men and I think this is what you're talking about it's like these women in Sparta were valued because everybody understood, which is, oh my God, so out there and so logical that we give birth to people, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> of course we're powerful and important and should be not equal. We should be even, you know, celebrated. And <laughs> because where would Sparta be? Who would Sparta be if these women didn't give birth to these amazing young warriors or young women who will give birth to more young warriors? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yes. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. We don't need to have careers and we don't. That's, that's a male world anyway. Yeah. You know, this whole construct of let's earn money and have careers and invent stuff is great. It served us well for a few thousand years, but I think it's very clear and obvious right now that we need to change things drastically very soon. 
So I know you interviewed mostly all women about the legacy of their mothers. Like, is mm-hmm. the legacy, and you may or may not have an answer to this question, but is the legacy that a mother leaves to her son different than what she leaves for her daughter, do you think? I mean, and you are now the mother of a son. <laughs> so I'm, just, I'm curious of your, your opinion on that one. I don't think so. Hmm. I don't think so. I, it is different in, on the grand scheme, it's the same because we teach this basic approach to life. That's like, yeah. that's on the big scheme. This is what we teach our children, how to approach life right. and the values. On a smaller, on the next level is I'm teaching my daughter how to be a woman, you know, and what it means to be a woman. But I think I want to believe that I'm modeling to my son also what it means to be a woman. So that one day when he has a girlfriend, a wife, or, you know, that he will treat her and, you know, give her things from what he learned from me. Yeah how a woman is and how what a woman wants and how she deserves to live her life and be treated by a man. Yeah. You know, I think we just, I think it's the same, more or less. It's just in the details. And I think, you know, the difference is like, I I think you're right. Absolutely. When I think about it, I think you're right. I don't have a son. So I don't know. (laughs) I don't. Yeah, Yeah. But I think the difference is, is that what a mother models for her daughter has greater impact. And by that, I mean, like, watching my mother do something has given me permission and showed me like giving me permission and showed me that it's possible. Yes. And so I mean, I'm sure maybe sons take the same thing. But I think there's a special connection in the DNA from woman to woman. (laughs) Absolutely. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. The connection with a son is very, very different. Yeah. Yeah. Because Because we identify woman to woman, you know, your daughter identifies with you and you can identify with her. But with a son, it's a different, there's, that's missing. That doesn't exist. It's to the, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. So in all of the interviews that you've done, what are there, first of all, are there common themes in terms of the the legacy that mothers across cultures have handed down to their daughters? Yes. <laughs> yes. And uh, the biggest, I think I always have the, this is for me the most important thing, but it's not what is most often mentioned as the most important thing. But women appreciate the most when their mothers give them courage when they give them support, mm-hmm. when they act as their cheerleaders in a way, you know, when they tell them, encourage them and tell them you can do this and nothing stands in your way, only you stand in your way and don't give up and don't look back, don't look at your failures. You know, when when a ma- mother is really encouraging and pushing her daughter and giving her the strength and the energy and courage to go out there and, and live her life and achieve, also, but what is most often often mentioned as a big legacy is independence. And that is extremely an extremely interesting and complex topic. Because women, obviously women from any different generations, social statuses, cultures, backgrounds, really want to teach their daughters 
to be independent and not depend on a man specifically, but also generally not be, but not depend on others emotionally, financially, in, in practically, you know. What I just started discussing with my interviewees, and this was a conversation in the episode that just came out, I've noticed, and it, it took me a lot of courage <laughs> to admit this, I've noticed both from myself and seeing lives of my friends, many of us come from these women who were, like my mother, uh, very independent and very career-oriented. And somehow it happened to many of us that at one point in our lives we got stuck in dependent situations. (laughs) And this is a topic I'd like to investigate a little more, as I did in my last interview, it sounds to me from all these interviews that it, it ping-pongs back and forth, that one generation has experienced the terror of being dependent on a man, for instance, and thus, you know, their daughters really wanted to be independent and managed to be very independent. But then the next generation saw a woman struggling in her independence because it's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy to go out there and, you know earn your money and pay your bills and be completely in every sense independent. And then they would maybe think this isn't that important. Let me, you know, it's nicer to stay at home with my husband and my kids. So it it seems to me from all these interviews that I've done and, and looking at my life and life of my friends, it often ping pongs back and forth, this big topic of independency. But generally all mothers want their daughters to be independent. Um, yeah, it's so that's such an interesting topic because I've been processing this for myself in the last little while about how like it's a bit of a double-edged sword this whole topic of independence, right? So yeah. you know, my mother created you know that same thing, right? Like be self-sufficient, have a good, career, yes. have your own money, do the thing. But it yeah. also got me to a point where I wasn't able to receive, right? Like it had to be, it all, everything had to come from me. And I almost like burned myself out trying to keep up with that yes. as opposed to like mm-hmm. you talk about being able to ebb and flow. And so it got me a bit stuck, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then I've had to kind of backtrack a little bit and be like, huh, mm-hmm. okay, I can see how this is, it's good. And I'm very glad I had all the experiences that I had and, you know, a very successful career and all of that. But I've had to backtrack a little bit from this fierce sense of if it didn't come mm. from me, it doesn't matter, right? Like that's absolutely independent. I know. Which I think a lot of women in our generation experience because I'm I see yes. it like in the women in my community, I see it in my clients, right? Where we've become mm. so driven at our own expense. <laughs> mm. Mm-hmm. And then we have that eternal struggle between having it all, you know, like yes which is still hard, which is still difficult. And I wonder if it will ever be easy, you know, it's it's so, there's no answers yet. (laughs) But we are going towards there. Yeah. And and I think this sense of like, you you can have it all, because I, I think that we are, the women of our generation are the first women to have like full on careers and raise families at the same time. Right. And so, because, you know, for a lot of us, you know, our and I shouldn't say this isn't true because it wasn't true in your mother's life, but 
like a lot of women, you know, didn't have full-time careers, right? Like, yes. in, you know, rising through corporate America, right? Like, and managing their families at the same time. And I think a lot of women, like I said, like completely burnt themselves out trying to do mm-hmm. it all mm-hmm. as opposed to being able to pull back a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and allow themselves to receive because the other part is, is like, you know, getting into the whole masculine and feminine energy. Here we were women, you know, creators, nurturers, whatever, and trying to mold ourselves into the masculine energy of go, 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 hunt, 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 kill, kill. Trying to integrate those two parts of ourselves, Mm. which I think is Mm. possible, but you have to be very conscious of it to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But this is, here's, uh, let's not forget, I want to share a little, uh, a few more things, things about, but I just want to quickly mention, this is something my mother was always trying to teach me. And she said, look, a woman can have everything, but it doesn't need to be at the same time. She was one of the biggest things she kept telling me is woman's life comes in phases and you have to Mm -hmm. accept that. There's a phase when you can concentrate on your career there's going to be a phase when you'll have children and you know your career will suffer a little bit there'll be a phase when you'll go back to your work so so she was that was I'm very grateful that she did she took the stress from me by always reminding me of of this that women's lives come in phases and we have to accept it I love that but to (laughs) <laughs> but to go back quickly to legacies and, and lessons from others around the world, we spoke about empowering their daughters. We spoke about independence. It's interesting, many, many women uh, always mention kindness. And now we're coming back to this female energy, kindness, taking care of others, helping those who are less fortunate than us, you know, being there for your family, your community. What's also beautiful is many, and I wish we did it even more often, women appreciate when their mothers teach them or taught them that that we're all unique, you know, that you shouldn't compare yourself to others, that you're wonderful in your own way, that you have to recognize and work on this, nurture your, your uniqueness. That's a beautiful thing that gets mentioned quite a lot. Another very important thing and maybe my favorite lesson is it's never too late. And this is the lesson I learned from my mom. And I think it's important for your podcast. So many incredible stories of women who created completely new lives in their 50s, 60s, even later. I heard the most amazing and empowering stories of, I don't know, a Chinese seamstress who used to work in a factory her whole life and you can imagine how hard it is and then at the age of 50 she decided she was going to open her own store with baby clothes and like completely reinvented herself and uh, of a mom in the United States in California who was a stay-at-home mom her whole life and never finished college the husband died unexpectedly when she was in her 60s he had a very successful business and she in her 60s decided she's gonna take over she had no clue about running business or anything and she ran this business successfully for another I don't know how many years like I heard the most amazing stories of it's never too late and women who would suffer you know from divorces in their 50s or 60s to go on and have the most amazing and beautiful 
happiest lives they ever had in their 60s and into their 70s. So for me, that's so valuable, this lesson. I love that so much because I think, <laughs> yeah. you know, what's really touching about what you just said is no matter what circumstance you experienced in your life, like there is always possibility for something different, right? So women yes. who faced great hardships, maybe, you know, came out the other side and did something, you know, like that woman who started the, the baby clothes, mm. right? Like, you know, she worked really hard in the factory and then she got to recreate a different side of herself, maybe a more creative side or whatever. But this idea that, and I love that women are taking these lessons from their mothers because so often I think we get stuck in thinking, okay, what I'm living right now is my life and that's all there is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And that there are so many stories, and that's what I try and cover on this podcast of women who say, no, no, this is not my life. No. This is not my legacy. I'm going to go do this, you know, in the second chapter of my life. Which, yeah. Again, it's so beautiful. I get emotional talking about <laughs> I know. <laughs> goosebumps, right? I know. I know. Because it just and I have to the power of women. It's like, first of all, yes, yes. Power in, you know, nurturing, you know, first of all, birthing. Let's not gloss over that one. Birthing, nurturing, yeah. guiding humans. And then, you know, taking their power back and saying, no, no, I'm now going to go do this stuff. Just exactly. Yeah. Look up. Yeah. <laughs> And you know what? It was really beautiful. I want to repeat that is how many times in these 120 interviews have I heard my mom's never been happier than now? You know, like my mom is now divorced, retired, moved, whatever, you know, she went through, widowed, and she's never been happier. She's like, it's beautiful. And that I've seen that with my mom, this joy of, of, you know, growing older, <laughs> finding joy in it and just being like, I've done it. I've been there. You know, like I can be happy now. <laughs> I'm going to go play. Yeah. Yeah. That's so beautiful. And then one last question. Sorry. Was there any other kind of common themes that you wanted to touch on? Uh, what I really want to quickly touch on is what I've learned in the process is to always ask what what a woman wished her mother had taught her. And I've Just learned that these... Are... That. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I've learned accidentally, best things always happen by accident, that this question is just as important as what, what our mothers have taught us. Mm. And it's even more fascinating how common, how there's a common thread in these answers. And I think this is extremely important for us as mothers and maybe grandmothers to have in mind what women wish they learned from their moms. Number one is it became, it used to be sex and my body. Women really wish their mothers talked to them about our female bodies, but also about sex. And they wish that even if mothers weren't able to talk about it for whatever reason, because nobody ever talked to them about it or their religion doesn't allow it or their circumstances, if they guided young women towards where to find the answers if they gave them a brochure a book a website a council it doesn't matter just to guide their daughters in the right direction but what took over in the meantime in the last few interviews is self-care my mom always took care of everybody else and never took care of herself you can't imagine how often i hear that 
she never she you know she took care of everything and everybody and never took a minute for herself and women watch this and then it's very hard for women to learn to do it because they didn't have this modeled you know so now we are trying to figure it out now we're like do i go to yoga do i meditate what do i do how do i take time for myself so this is obviously very important that we model to our daughters that yeah, sometimes we just need time for ourselves and need to take care of ourselves and not always the others. Finances, that's so interesting. Obviously, women do not talk to their daughters about finances, let alone investing or some bigger, you know, plans. And women really wish they learned that from their moms, the importance of finances. And here's a, an interesting one, self-confidence. We often talk about self-confidence because very often I hear my mom was so self-confident, but she didn't know how to teach me that. Like, and then we get into these discussions of how do you teach your daughter self-confidence? Mothers who were very self-confident often don't know how to teach their daughters. And then mothers who never had self-confidence also don't know how to teach their daughters to be. So Women often mention, I wish I learned how to be more self-confident. And I don't have an answer yet how we can do that as mothers. <laughs> that is so interesting because one of the things, you know, when my daughter was growing up, like I was not a confident kid growing up. And one of the things that I said that I wanted, like my full intention as a mother was to teach my daughter self-confidence. Mm. And I thought I did everything that I wish should have doing, you know, to teach her self-confidence. But I didn't, she didn't grow up with a sense of self-confidence from me. And, you know, the reason she told me, you know, so we've had these discussions, right? And she said, because you were trying too hard, right? And confidence doesn't come from mm. trying, right? It comes from just like, it's so interesting in who you are, but because I was trying so hard to raise a confident daughter, <laughs> it had the opposite effect. And I was like, oh, I just needed to be, I just needed to not worry about it. And she's like, Yep. <laughs> which I thought was so, so interesting. So is there anything else that, like, I love what you just talked about in terms of the, the conversations that, you know, daughters had wished their mothers had had with them. And I actually made notes because I'm now going to go have these conversations with my daughter, especially about <laughs> <things> and investing. <laughs> because I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, I have not actually had a conversation with her about money. Right. Mm. And, I, and interestingly enough, like I didn't have that conversation with, with my mother and I didn't learn these things till much later, like in my 40s. Right. Mm. Um, mm. My daughter's about so to now you have to pass what you right. learned. Exactly. Mm. It was like, so thank you for that, because I'm, I'm actually going to go have that have that <laughs> conversation. Is there anything else that really stood out to you from any of the interviews that we haven't touched on? And totally yes, as my dear friend Tanya, who was also one of my interviewees, and her mom was a prison guard oh. in Canada. As she said, as one of the lessons she learned from her mom is, we women are amazing. Oh. <laughs> I think that this is what comes out in between the lines at the end of the day from all of these interviews, you know, this... We all, when we start thinking about it and putting it in words and looking back at our mother's lives and our grandmother's lives and where we come from and how far we've come as women, we are, women are just like, we are amazing. 
Yeah, we truly are. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have this conversation with you today, because, you know, like I said at the beginning, at the top of the podcast, you know, mothering is one of the toughest yet most rewarding jobs. And we often wonder how much of what we try and pass on to our kids actually gets through. So Mm. to have a podcast like yours that is like reaffirming the fact that, you know, the things that we are doing matter and that these are the lessons that are being taken forward, I just think it's so important. Like I find it, you know, I've listened to quite a few episodes of your podcast and I find it so comforting to know like everything that we do matters. It matters. And what I want to stress is not only things we do, but things we model. model. This is one of the things that I've really learned. Women often talk about this difference between what my mother told me or taught me versus what she modeled. And we really have to be aware as mothers that we model. We model the whole time. You know, it's one thing to say you need to be independent. But did you model it? You know, so that's very important to not forget that what we model is really, really crucial. Yeah, yeah, that is so true. Because I think about the greatest lessons from my mother and they're, you know, yes, something she told me, but mostly like it's like everything Mm. that we've been saying and that you've been saying is how she lived her life, how she approached her life. Mm. And I think Mm. about that for myself going forward. Like, how am I approaching this next chapter of my life? Like, what do I want my daughter to see? Right. Mm. So it's so interesting. Where can people find more about your work? The podcast is called Thank You, Mama. So, and it's on all podcasting platforms. Newly, it's also on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. And my name is Titer, and I'm the only Titer next to my dad in the world. So if you Google T A J D E R, Anna with one N, you'll find me, but I'm also findable just under Thank You Mama. And I'm everywhere. I'm on Facebook, on Instagram, Twitter, and yes, on all podcasting platforms. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for having this conversation and sharing the wisdom of your interviews with us all. Like I said, I have taken away a few things <laughs> for myself <laughs> from our conversation. And to those of you listening you know, who are mothers who gave birth and mothers who didn't give birth, I hope you found this as rewarding and empowering as I did in this conversation with Anna. And if you've loved what you heard, I would love it if you would give us a rating or review on your favorite podcast platform. And or better yet, share this podcast with your mom. Right. Oh, yes. Yeah. Like do that. (laughs) Interestingly, today I happened to flip open Instagram and it was an interview with um, with an older woman who the question was, you know, what are the things that you regret in your life? And Mm -hmm. said the number one thing that she regrets in her life is not saying the things that she wanted to say. Mm. And I was like, oh, you know, because I there are some things that I would love to have said to my mom that I didn't say to my that I didn't get the opportunity Mm. to say to my mom. Right. And so, yeah, and ask, and ask, ask, you know, I had such a close relationship with my mom and I always heard all these stories and only after she was gone, would I realize oh, there's so many questions I didn't ask. Like, why, why did you do this? Why did you decide this? Why, you know, ask, ask your mom, find out about her, find about what, what drove her, why she made certain decisions, why certain things were the way they were. And things will become clear and, and you can refresh or change or, you know, your relationship. Not every relationship is great between mothers and daughters. But once we start 
asking and talking, many things open up and we understand new things. So have the conversations, ask the questions of your mothers and your daughters. Um, yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Thank you again for this time. Um, I can't wait to share Thank. the interview with all of you listening. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. Thank you for listening to the Old Chicks No Shit podcast. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give is to share this podcast with a friend, subscribe, rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen in.